must think you're the only one Whoever watched a lover run And woke up every morning to the lonely sun And an empty bed But that's all ancient history Tonight belongs to you and me Why don't you take a chance on waking up To a good morning smile instead Set your heart Okay. Are we are we on? We're on the air. W R C T R. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, I would say it's uh we're on the air at one oh six point nine R C R P in yeah. Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Well welcome welcome to our first radio broadcast. Yes, uh, thank you to the terrestrial airwaves for allowing us to uh, spread our filth. Yeah, um, now that there's a total cessation of all acting and writing in the country, we're slipping right in there. Yeah, we're or, crossing the picket lines and wedging our way into the entertainment industry. Are the radio people, they're not on strike, are they? Uh, no, I don't, yeah, because the Screen Actors Guild is on strike, but not the Radio Actors Guild. The rag. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the rag. Yes. <laughs> um, we sure are. And uh got to tell you, it's been great. So, uh, yeah, there's massive shakeups all over the world. Yes, uh, I just found out that for the second time in three years, uh, my job is being eliminated. And I get to reapply for essentially my same job at my company. I thought you meant your job was to be eliminated. Like that they're just going to destroy you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for a small fee. Um, I guess like a small pittance to like Stephanie. It's kind of like a most dangerous game situation with the, okay, like the, the uh, CEOs and yeah, executives the, at my company. Yeah, at, the, at America's Great Telecoms. Yes. <laughs> um, they're all in cahoots. They have an island, just like Epstein. Yes, but uh, it's a little different. Yeah. It's it's more yeah. like... Uh, it's a more dangerous game island. It's more like Countess Perverse. Yeah, it's not like... A, I mean, they probably do some weird sex stuff on the island because I don't they're... have evidence of it. All I know for sure is that they hunt people. Yeah, that's your job. Right. But like, the rest <laughs> of this is just conjecture. Right. Your job is to be hunted... Uh, I guess you get to keep like your normal job when you win. Uh, nobody's ever won so far. Okay. But, uh, I mean, theoretically, we'll wow. see what happens. Okay. Well, if you do, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of worried about you if you lose your job. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see what happens. I have a kick-ass severance package, so it'll probably work out one way or another. I and mean, that's good. I'm just worried about you and like with your time off. Especially now, since you've discovered gooning. <laughs> well, if there's one thing I know for sure, uh, something that kind of aggravates all of that, it's that I like to watch. Like what? Uh, I mean, certainly pornography. Okay. Me too. 
I also like to watch. And that's why I... That's the sequel. (laughs) Yeah, I also like to watch. Yeah. So this week we are talking about a film by Paul Vitelli. Okay. Titled, I Like to Watch. All right. Uh, Have we seen a Paul Vitelli flick before? Yes. uh, He also directed a film that we covered called Sorority Sweethearts. I was thinking that uh, your plex has changed in a way where I don't see the directors on the film anymore immediately yeah they're uh, i can't do anything about it I, it's a, I don't blame you i'm just i didn't check imdb on this one so but, uh i will say this one had a similar kind of feel to that one because that was also in like a big dark house yeah it also the, some of the same cast yeah some of the same cast but it's also important to point out that i forgot about the other film that we covered of his oh yes Stiff Competition. Oh, yes. That was an excellent film. Yes. I was also thinking about that film while watching this. Uh, I texted you some of my comments on it, but uh, they'll, they'll come up in the course of the episode. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, you know, uh, this is a, it's an interesting film. It's not the most narratively dense film that we've covered, yeah. uh, but it does uh, have a, a nice visual style to it, and we'll get to that along the way. Yes. Uh, I would say in the... Film of War of Paul Vitelli. This one has got some stiff competition. <laughs> yes, it absolutely does. They hate me. They they love they, they love me, but they can't quit. They love to hate you. Yeah, I'm like uh, Gigi Allen or uh, Garfield. Do they love to hate Garfield? Andrew Garfield, they shot him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that him or is that the, is that the Spider-Man Andrew actor? Garfield is Spider-Man, I'm pretty they sure. They shot him. <laughs> <laughs> the bad guys. The bad guys? The bad guys shot Andrew Garfield because he was trying to stop them with his spider powers. Oh, yeah. All the Spider-Man movies now, I think, are just about having panic attacks. Just sort of kind of always what Spider-Man has had with like the Spidey sense, right? Yeah. Like, that's just him having, like, a freak out before he gets hit. Yeah, I have a lot of spidey senses myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in constant... I feel that I'm in a constant state of danger. Um, but, yeah, they killed... Is it Andrew Garfield not also the president? Uh, James Abram Garfield would be the president. James Garfield. Well... Who was uh, assassinated in September of 1881. Yeah, I know. Uh, so he didn't he didn't get to be in office for very long. No, they hated him. Just like they loved to hate him so much that they had to take him out. <laughs> Which is why I think all our patrons who are uh, helping me prep a, a proper self defense uh, strategy, unlike Garfield, <laughs> uh, your five dollars a month gets me closer to buying a Desert Eagle. <laughs> Or a deagle. That's what we call them in the gun community. Oh, great. Yeah. I've been to some gun shows. I've mostly been buying the literature. I have played... I feel like I've made that joke before. It's fine. It's great. (laughs) I have played Counter-Strike and used a deagle myself. Yeah, you've basically been to the range. More or less. (laughs) All right. But yeah, we've got a lot of ops. We've got a lot of haters. But uh, this one... Haters gonna hate. Yeah, but this one I think is for the fans. I think they'll appreciate this one, and uh, we don't need to worry about ops on this one. That's uh, in the future. Yeah, so 
quick uh, rundown of the cast of I Like to Watch. We've uh-huh. got plenty mm-hmm. of uh, names here. We uh, have the lovely and talented Lisa DeLeo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Mike Horner, Kevin James, and Herschel Savage joining the gentlemen here. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, David Cannon. Yeah, David Cannon is here. Alongside as well, uh, Pat Manning, who we've seen in a few movies as well. Uh, we've also got uh, Bridget Monet. Yes, this is maybe the third or fourth film where she's been introduced. Yes, introducing Bridget Monet, who I'm pretty sure was also introduced in uh, Sorority Sweethearts, directed by the same uh, director the same year. He just keeps finding her. It's like that... Uh... <laughs> It's like that Fifty First Dates movie, you know. <laughs> and uh, also, Little Oral Annie, mm-hmm. who I'm not sure if we've covered a movie with her yet. Maybe no, uh, not from what I can remember, but uh, certainly a uh, star in her own right in this film. Indeed. But, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of fun here. I mm. like to watch, Jeremy likes to watch, and we know that you listeners like to watch. It's a stacked cast. Stacked with, cast, yes. With, uh, some, uh, with some uh, compelling visual flair that uh, makes it all the easier to like to watch. Yes. Yes. So I like to watch, I like to watch, and, and uh, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah, and so will you. Yes, because we're forcing you to. (laughs) You also like to watch. Yes. Uh, We'll be right back. used to be that they walk the dinosaur but no more it's a sad world we live in yeah but it's okay uh they got rid of the circuses and now you can't even walk a dinosaur yeah i saw a dinosaur once though oh yeah yeah at the uh i was in the park and the triceratops came up to me and gently nuzzled me (laughs) was this park jurassic park uh, you know, I think it might have been. I think I was like on vacation as a kid. <laughs> yeah, but that's where my parents would take us every summer. <laughs> what a what a summer vacation! Yeah, and they covered up those all the killings though, like a lot better until those movies came out. Those exposés. <laughs> yeah, those were real. Yes, documentaries. They're, yeah, they were documentaries, um, and in a way, we are here to document things as well. Not yes. my experience with the dinosaur, but uh, Boss's experience watching this film and taking notes on it. Yes. 
commentary by me, Jeremy. I watched I Like to Watch. And when I watched I Like to Watch, it opened with me watching our opening credits as a soft and lonely ballad plays. It's a little country rock song. Yeah. Of, uh, sort of like an Eagles kind of kind of ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did note that uh, the credits included introducing Bridget Monet. <laughs> yes. Uh, as we've uh, already brought up. These credits were a lot classier than I expected going in on a film called I Like to Watch. Fair enough. I was expecting just some quick cut title cards. I did certainly did not expect a uh, a longing ballad yeah. <laughs> over some uh, nice cerulean credits. Uh, we get told that the original score is by Three Bells West. Just to call that out. <laughs> okay, good. I don't know who they are. but Yeah, I um, don't either, but... They do good work here, uh, as we'll see. Yes, so we open... Uh, getting to watch a lovely young lady, Laura, played by Bridget Monet. She's looking into a crack in the door into a room where Letitia, played by Pat Manning, is blowing Philip, played by Herschel Savage. She sure is. Philip tells Letitia to make it all wet, who replies, Mmm, it tastes so good. They enjoy this a bit, and then Letitia mounts Philip Cowgirl and mm -hmm. rides his cock a bit on this bed. And for a little bit, it seems like the uh, the song from the opening credits sort of continues as like a sax solo before it eventually kind of tapers off, which yeah. is a nice touch. Yeah, it's a good it's a way nice, to uh, good way to transition. Drop. Yeah, good way to drop into the action. We're off to a good start. Yeah, we get some shots of them in a nearby mirror as well, which is a good uh, visual choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get some shots as well through the crack in the door in a very Jess Franco sort of way. As they continue to be watched by Laura outside. They switch to reverse cowgirl and Letitia continues to ride away. She then lays back and Philip continues to pound her from below. Philip is getting ready to finish, but Letitia tells him not yet. But Letitia tells him not yet. She wants him to come on her face, so he dismounts and... So she dismounts and crawls down to his cock, where she sucks and strokes him until he finishes in her mouth, hair, and on her hands. Excellent. She licks the cock more as Philip moans in delight. We see Laura slowly pull the door to, closing the crack in the door, and walking away. Letitia asks Philip why they can't do that every night. He asks why spoil such a great thing, saying he doesn't want her to get sick of him after all. She tells him there's not much chance of that. Some rocky relationship. Yeah. He, she wants a commitment. And he wants a little bit of distance there. Yeah, he wants to play the field, perhaps. Perhaps. We cut to Laura reading at a table. This is probably the morning after. Letitia joins her, and this is where we find out that Letitia is her aunt. Okay, good. I think I'd kind of maybe missed that. I was like, is this her mom the whole time? It is her aunt that she lives with. There's no explanation as to where her mom or dad is or anything. That's fine. She's old enough to be an unpaid intern at her aunt's yeah. dark mansion. Uh, along the way, Letitia greets Gretchen, the maid, who we get to know much better later. Mm -hmm. Letitia tells Laura that Linda Vance is coming in today for her fitting, and uh, Letitia's a bit panicked about them 
being able to get everything done for the show that's coming up. So what we find out at some point is that uh, Letitia uh, makes lingerie. Yes. And uh, she is uh, preparing for some, like, modeling show for her uh, mm-hmm. lingerie. Kind of like the Victoria's Secret, like, fashion model, like the walk thing. I don't know yeah. if they still do that or not, but... Uh, I don't know. We've got too woke. They won't let us have it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe no one watched it. I think I saw, like, part of it once. You know, after, like, the... Like tenth girl and like lacy lingerie, you're like it kind of loses its appeal. Yeah, you become numb to it. You become numb to it. They really got to vary it, and uh, you know, there's you know, a television there's... programming as hard as Letitia says. Yes, Letitia then asks if Laura is going to see Michael tonight. Laura notes that she thinks Michael's afraid of her. Letitia tells her not to worry about all of that and just to have some fun. So Linda Vance shows up, and it's Lisa DeLeo. Letitia has Laura help Linda uh, with fitting Linda's lingerie that Letitia apparently designed for her. Meanwhile, a guy shows up to work on the furnace. It's Mark, who's played by Kevin James. Yes, he's back. He's back. In a uh, less insane role than uh, we've seen him in these taboo films that we've covered. That's true. So... Letitia's other employee here, Kim, played by Little Oral Annie, is tasked with taking Mark to the furnace. So we see Kim lead Mark down to the basement, where he looks around in the dark a bit. He asks about where the steam pipes go, which leads Kim to uh, taking Mark somewhere upstairs. Meanwhile, Laura is helping Linda in her lingerie. Linda asks if the panties she's wearing matches her outfit, and Laura says that the lace is a bit different, so Linda pulls off her panties, and Laura just stares forward at her bush. Yeah, we get some like quick flashes back and forth between her bush and Laura's face. Yeah. Linda seductively tells Laura that if she ever wants that, give her a call, promising her a time that she won't forget. Linda walks off to change, and Laura picks up Linda's discarded panties and stuffs them into her pocket. Yeah, she's a freak. Yes. Uh, It's like the collector, if you want to recall all the way back. (laughs) I think he was stealing cum rags, though. Yes. But, you know, collecting comes in all types. Uh, Was that Adam and Eve's? Yes. (laughs) It was a while ago. Uh, Linda returns and tells Letitia that she's happy with the new uh, nightgown as... Laura eagerly leaves, kind of embarrassed by the situation that just occurred. Letitia and Linda are leaving together, and Letitia tells Gretchen the maid that she's going to be gone for a bit, and that Gretchen should find Kimberly, who should be with the furnace guy, uh, because she wants Kimberly to get back to work. So we cut to Kim upstairs somewhere. Mark, working on this furnace situation, now has his shirt off, uh, there's a steam valve open and blasting steam nearby. Yeah, scalding his bare chest. Yes. He asked for that can of oil over there, so Kim e- so Kim eagerly delivers it and squirts some on his chest. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We see Gretchen walking through the house, searching for Kim. Then we cut back to Kim with Mark, and now Kim is making out with Mark. Yeah, this is uh, short-sighted. Cause I don't know if he ever repairs the... 
The furnace? <laughs> no. They're all going to freeze to death come winter. Yes. It's like uh, it's like the ant and the grasshopper. <laughs> you know? The ant, he gathers up all the food. Or maybe it's a frog. Anyway, the ant gathers I up. I think that the grasshopper makes the ants gra- gather all the food for them. Yeah, and then And he... then one of the ants has to go get a bunch of other bugs to fight the grasshoppers. Yeah. And it's like seven samurai. Yeah, it's short-sighted to try to make those demands of someone uh, if you don't really have, like, an army to back it up, because then they'll just go get seven samurai bugs. Yes. And then you'll die in the winter. Yes. Yeah. uh, Just like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yeah. Or, uh, I guess those grasshoppers died in the winter, too. They all died. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have a scene at the end of that movie where, like, winter suddenly comes and the grasshoppers are just, like, freezing to death and, like, dying in exile? I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I'm going to say yes. It's, like, fall over dead like, yes. by the thousands. I think that you should, if you're an ant, you should share. Yes. Um, But if you're a grasshopper, you just live for today and you fuck Kevin James. <laughs> So Mark asks Kim how he's supposed to fix the furnace now, and she assures him that they're fixing it right now, which she is incorrect about. Kim sinks down and puts her mouth around Mark's cock. Mark says, I never thought anything like this would happen on the job, as uh, Kim swallows his cock up. Mm-hmm. Gretchen, still looking for Kim, opens up a door to find Kim on her knees polishing Mark's knob. Gretchen watches through the door and turns away to giggle. We see Mark pounding Kim on the bed. Yeah. You really want me to slam it in there, don't you? Yeah. Mark says, and Kim confirms. It's true. Little Earl Annie is kind of like a uh, like a pioneer of the new sloppy style. She is. Uh, earlier, like in the, f- uh, when she's blowing him, there's like a good like shot that's from like the ground up where there's just a bunch of nasty spit and stuff hanging out of her mouth while she's blowing him. Yeah. Good stuff. And then what's to come? Indeed. What what is to come? Tell us. Well, what is to come is Mark slamming it in there for quite a while. Gretchen is playing with herself outside as she watches. Kim then says that she wants Mark to fuck her in the ass, and Mark is happy to oblige. So he fucks her anally uh, in a doggy position for a bit. Mm-hmm. Gretchen continues to caress herself over her clothes. Kim goes back to licking and sucking Mark's cock and finishes him off, stroking a big load out of him, licking and sucking his tip more. Yep, some ass to mouth. Indeed. The sloppy style. The sloppy style delights us all. It's coming into style. Sure is coming into style. Right around 1982. Yeah. Gretchen sneaks off, but in doing so, makes a noise which startles Kim and Mark. Kim asks, what was that? And Mark says, a big rat. Uh, I forgot to mention when uh, Kevin James is pounding her in the ass, and you kind of get like the from behind shots, his head is hanging down in such a way that he's kind of staring at the camera. Oh, yeah. In a way that's a little disturbing. (laughs) He's just staring head on. We cut to Laura walking around a park with an umbrella looking concerned. It's at this point that she runs into Michael, who sits on a bench with her, played by Mike Horner. 
He puts his hands over her eyes and asks who she thinks it is, and they joke about him being either Gene Kelly or Jack the Ripper, two people who I frequently associate together. They dance in the rain. They both danced in the rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They made that musical about Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah. Wait, did they? I'm, I, think, I think so. I think it was Sweeney Todd, maybe. Oh, yeah. But they both danced. What a dance they did. Klaus Kinski played Jack the Ripper in a Jess Franco movie. Did he do any dancing? No. Hmm. Well, maybe, I guess it's just the the raincoat that links them, ultimately. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of them forgot their raincoat. No, and that's why they never caught him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Laura mentions being stressed about getting ready for the upcoming show. After some banter, she finally asks Michael directly why he hasn't made love to her. He talks about wanting romance and not rushing into bed. He then mentions that his ex-wife something or another, which makes Laura emphatically say that she's not his ex-wife. I am Laura. She walks off and he shouts out that he'll pick her up at eight, but she tells him not tonight. And, uh, he's kind of like, Michael is kind of like the original millennial. He brings her, it's essentially avocado toast for lunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cheese and avocado sandwich. Uh, he loves close-up magic. He loves dancing in the rain. And apple juice. What a dork. Yeah, just like us. <laughs> so we cut back home, and Letitia is telling Laura that she's going out. Then she notices that Laura isn't, and says she thought Laura was going out too. But Laura tells her not tonight. Letitia asks if Laura wants to talk about it, but she doesn't. We then cut to Kim, who's now lounging by the fire as Gretchen is cleaning the room she's in. Kim asks Gretchen what she was doing today, leading her to look around awkwardly and respond, Nothing. Kim says she knows Gretchen was watching her. She invites Gretchen to sit down next to her and notes that she's not angry with her. She asks if Gretchen liked what she saw, and Gretchen responds, yes. Kim notes, you know, it can be better with a woman. In Laura's room, she picks up Linda's panties and holds them in her hands a bit before sitting down and starting to rub them on her face. After doing this for quite a while, Laura starts to rub the panties on her tongue and bite them with her teeth. She exposes her breasts and rubs her nipples. Meanwhile, downstairs, Kim is making out with Gretchen. Laura continues to rub her breasts upstairs as she imagines Letitia sucking Philip's cock. She eventually reaches down and starts to play with her clit. She continues to play with herself as she envisions Letitia and Philip banging. She's interrupted, however, when the phone rings and Laura reaches over to answer it. It's Linda. Linda tells Laura that She had a date tonight, but they canceled, so she wants to invite Laura over for a drink. Laura agrees to join her, and as Linda hangs up, we see her talking to a man. Montag, played by David Cannon. Yes. Montag is the ultimate voyeur, a real member of the Raincoat Report crowd. Yes, he's a... uh, We'll get to him and his uh, 
have it soon. Yes. But suffice it to say, he says the line. Yes. In fact, right now. Because <laughs> Linda tells him she'll be over soon and she'll give him a real show. Montag tells her she's too good to him. And as he puts it, because I like to watch. Mm-hmm. He, he did it. He delivered the titular line. We got him, folks. I don't know what that sound signifies for that. I need something else. I need a we got him. Uh, I need like Obama's, Obama when they got Bin Laden. Oh, yeah. Can you get that? I could. Will you? We'll see. I'll put it on the mental list of things that I might do. I'm hovering over the hammer right now. So you should be more committal. We see Kim and Gretchen continuing to make out and touch each other's now mostly naked bodies as Laura comes downstairs and catches a glimpse of this. Kim is really sucking hard on Gretchen's breasts. Then we see Kim going down on Gretchen as she plays with her breasts and moans in delight. Laura continues to watch as Gretchen moans, amongst other things. Das is good, yeah! <laughs> We eventually cut to Kim fucking Gretchen hard with a pretty sizable strap-on of questionable hard plastic material. It's got some studs on it. I suppose it's been ribbed for her pleasure. Yeah. It's very thick. It is turning her inside out. Yeah, you can kind of see like her inner labia like gripping on it as she's pulling it out, and it seems like yeah. it's just coming out of her. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Little Oral Annie's really shining in this film. Yes. Uh, there's like a, like a little like visual technique they do in this a lot that I like where they'll just kind of fade into like the next shot Yeah, where yeah. they're in like, they're undressed or they're like onto like the next sex act. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a lot of films do it, but this one does it with like style. Like it's better than like a quick cut. Yeah, I agree. Good. Laura continues to watch on. Gretchen demands it deeper and Kim is happy to oblige. Kim continues to pound away as Laura walks out of the house. On her way out, Laura runs into Michael, mm -hmm. who asks her to go out with him. She storms off, and he tells her he'll wait all night for her. And then he does. He just sits down on the porch. Yes. He's also a stalker, maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps he is Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I think he's just a little obsessive, you know. It's yeah. 1982. You didn't have dating apps. You just had, to, if your girl didn't want to go out and you were mad, you couldn't text her like a million times. You don't know where she's at. Yeah. She's got to sit on the stoop. <laughs> Maybe with a gun and a little brown bag. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, or a knife, in his case. Me a knife. All I'll have is a gun. Hold on. The sound of stabbing <laughs> Kim continues to pound away as oh yeah I said blah 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 the psycho sting <laughs> we cut to Laura arriving at Linda's place Linda takes Laura's coat and asks her to sit down by the fire Linda brings them both drinks amaretto yes and cheers to a deep long friendship Linda asks what happened today Laura says she doesn't know Linda says she does. Laura liked it, and she came over tonight to explore. Linda tells Laura she wants to bathe her body with her tongue, 
and Laura responds, I don't know what's happening to me. We then cut to the ladies making out in bed, and we pan up to a Sony camera taking in the proceedings, mm-hmm. and we cut to Montag watching on a TV in another room. He has a cigar and a drink in hand, and looks like Jeremy in his room preparing for the podcast. It could be you, and uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a cigar. It definitely looks like a blunt wrap. I mean, yeah. It could be both. I'm going to assume it's just packed with weed, and he's just getting stoned off his ass watching this. I'm certain that's what it is. It rules. Um, I don't have a robe quite like this, but I do have a robe. Yeah. Um, But this is what I would call a raincoat mindset. Yes. Just sort of like a lifestyle kind of brand that I've been working on for a little bit. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Montag's kind of like a brand ambassador, you know? Yeah. Uh, or like you know, like someone we would consider like a model for the, the lifestyle we're going for. It's a little bit playboy. It's a little bit dirtbag. But uh, totally raincoat. And uh, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you can get access to the, uh, to the Raincoat Mindset Discord. <laughs> where I will give you life-changing tips on, uh, I don't know, just about everything. It'll change your life. <laughs> Raincoat mindset, baby. <laughs> you know, uh, boss is fully backing this. Uh, it's what's it like fifty nine nine fifty nine ninety nine a month for access <laughs> to the raincoat mindset Discord. Uh, yes, uh, you're gonna be a top, not a top G. That in, that's Andrew Tate's thing. You're just gonna be a top. <laughs> um, so remember, fifty nine ninety nine a month. Patreon.com slash Raincoat Mindset. <laughs> uh, boss is cool with me setting up my own Patreon for it, too. He said that was fine. Uh, sure. Okay. Well, you know, you podcast in one hand, and I'll life coach in one another, and we'll see which one fills up faster. Fair enough. All right. Oh. So Linda kisses her way down Laura's chest, down her belly, to her thighs, and finally... <laughs> She starts to tease her pubic region with her tongue before finally exploring her vagina orally. Montag watches on intensely, drinking and smoking, and even talking to the screen. Yeah. After a bit, Linda asks Laura if she liked that, and she did. Linda then asks Laura if she can do the same to her. Laura seems hesitant at first, and Linda tells her, just try. Laura starts to lick Linda's clit as Linda plays with her breasts. Montag says, That's right, girls. Yes. Your bodies are so beautiful. After a bit, Laura kisses Linda a bit more, and Linda holds her. Linda then asks if Laura trusts her. She says yes. Linda explains this whole time they've been watched by Montag, her lover. She notes he's very nice and would like to join them. Laura is a bit hesitant, but agrees, and Linda gives the camera a nod. Montag in the other room says, You fucking slice. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you can say in the Discord. And I won't and I won't take screenshots to use against you later. Linda walks to the glass door in the room and sits down nearby as Montag approaches Laura on the bed, disrobing to reveal his fat hog. Mm-hmm. He kneels down and begins to kiss Laura sensually as Linda watches on in excitement. 
Linda says, Isn't she pretty, Montag? Montag says, Your body's so beautiful. Linda says, I told you she'd have a pretty, pretty pussy and big breasts. Montag kisses his way all around Laura's body and then starts to go down on her. This goes on for a bit, and after a while, Laura and Linda start making intense eye contact with one another. Montag kisses his way up Laura's body and starts to munch on her breasts, still covered with a bra. Montag and Laura make out a bit, and he pulls out her breasts to lick and suck them more. After a bit, he kneels on his knees, and Laura starts to suck his beefy cock. Linda watches on and starts to reach down and play with herself as she licks her lips. After sucking Montag's hog for a while, she demands that he make love to her. So Montag starts to fuck Laura from behind as they're laying sideways. Then he positions himself on top as Linda continues to excitedly masturbate as she watches. Everyone's watching. Yes. Yes. We're watching. We're watching everybody watching. Yeah. Um, there's probably a camera recording us somewhere. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. We do live in a Big Brother state. Yeah. Our webcams are probably recording us without our knowledge. Yeah, when I'm taking the notes for this and, Mm -hmm. like, watching it on the TV, yeah, the webcam's definitely recording me at points, I think. Excellent. Yeah. Montag continues to pound away, and Linda continues to feverishly masturbate. Eventually, Montag pulls out, and Laura strokes out a thick load from his cock. Linda, excitedly masturbating, says, See, Montag, I like to watch, too. <laughs> this is all a test. Uh, does, uh, there's one thing. Montag's kissing style is very, uh, it's a little too open to mouth. He kind of engulfs her lips. Yeah, that's while true. While kissing her. So, it's too much. That's not raincoat mindset. I'll tell you that right now. You gotta just do a normal amount. You want your lips to be kind of uh, equally engaged. I say, you don't want to. You don't want to overpower the other. You don't want to put that person's mouth completely inside of your mouth. <laughs> That's too far. Well, don't give away too many secrets. These are just the the ones that you should probably kind of like already know. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, some of them are pretty basic, but I say them in a way, and the way I like I say them, and the way that I tell them to you. Uh, I'll throw in like a lot of like cuss words and stuff and kind of make you try to try to make you feel bad. So you give me more money. Well, like any motivational speaker, cult leader, it's an effective way of doing things. Yeah. It's worked so far. (laughs) Outside Laura's place, Michael's still hanging out when honey and cinnamon show up there for some business. Gretchen lets all three of them in. It's confirmed that Honey and Cinnamon are two of Letitia's models. Gretchen tells Michael that Laura isn't there. Michael asks if he can wait there, and she says that's okay. If Mike Corner were the star of this movie, it would be called I Like to Wait. (laughs) Uh, Gretchen leads Honey and Cinnamon to a bedroom they'll be staying in. In the bedroom, they note that Michael is awfully cute. They then plot something they describe as erotic, though we don't hear the details. Nope. Classic. But you know what's going to happen. It's going to be some Scooby-Doo stuff, because that's what they would always do. Yeah. So, 
It's no surprise in the next scene when they drop a net on my corner. Yes. So by a fire downstairs, Michael is waiting, reading a newspaper. He's repeatedly startled by what sounds like a ghostly howling. A lot of this film is kind of shot like a horror film. Yeah. There are a lot of like deep oppressive shadows in this house. It uh, sort of reminds me of, I remember Indecent Exposure when they go to, uh, my brain keeps blanking out and I just keep thinking Rosario Dawson. Georgina Spelvin. I was not, I was nowhere near close. Uh, yeah, yeah. Georgina Spelvin's, they go to Georgina Spelvin's house. Yeah, her dark Adams family mansion for no reason, no discernible reason in the film. Yeah. Uh, but this whole film is set there. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I'll get all, I'll get into that in my review. I don't want to give all my, okay. I got to keep some stuff for the discord and some stuff for the review. Yes, exactly. So Michael stands up and decides to investigate. Michael slowly steps through the house, following the sound upstairs into a room of creepy mannequins. We, oh, yeah. we soon see in the background that Honey and Cinnamon are posed pretending to be mannequins. Soon one reaches out and uh, grabs his cock through his shorts <laughs> and startles him, as uh, is likely to happen when somebody uh, unexpectedly grabs your cock. And he drops his glass of wine. <laughs> yes, he does. He apologizes for panicking and notes that it's just not his day. The ladies assure him that it is his day, and we are soon able to see that they are correct as we cut to Michael naked. He's being blown by cinnamon as he makes out with Honey and he fingers her. So, uh, to go back a step, Honey is played by Elena DeSantis of the famed DeSantis family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess his mom. I think so. Yeah, and uh, Cinnamon is played by Linda Shaw. Uh, uh, Snowy Shaw? Is there a wrestler that's a Shaw? Uh, there's like Samuel Shaw. Shaw Brothers. The Shaw Brothers. She's she's related to the Shaw Brothers of Hong Kong film fame. Okay, good. I knew she was related to somebody. <laughs> then Honey takes over the sucking and he makes out with Cinnamon and sucks her breasts as he continues to finger Honey reaching behind her as she's blowing him. We eventually cut to Honey and Michael 69ing as uh, Honey is sharing Michael's cock with Cinnamon. We have several cutaways to the mannequins looking upon this series of events. They too like to watch. Yes. Every scene here is watched by somebody, I believe. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's these plastic wooden men and women. Yeah. So it's like that scene in Dungeon Master. Oh, yeah. Really? Hide in the Wax Museum. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you got to finally see that. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a film. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty stupid, but uh, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed it since youth. Cinnamon climbs on top of Michael and rides him cowgirl for a bit as Honey licks her breasts. As this is going on, we see Letitia come home. She hears a sound as she's walking through the hallway and pauses, but then she continues up the steps. Yeah, Letitia does not like to watch. No. The lady's 69 as Michael fucks Honey doggy style. Eventually, the ladies focus on sucking and stroking Michael, ensuring that he erupts with a big load. It's gonna pop. And it does. It did. He pops all over the place. Yep. 
I don't understand why he's not banging Bridget Monet, aside from like wanting to be like more romantic. I don't know. He's a dipshit, and I don't think we get an explanation later either. No. There's no clear motivation for this to happen other than to, like, I guess, loosen him up. Yeah. I don't know. So we cut to Laura and the rest of Letitia's crew sewing and preparing for this show that's coming up. I'd kind of forgotten they were, like, supposed to be working on a television show at this point. Right. And then, because I was like, oh, yeah, they're tailors, and then they cut to them in, like, a television station, and I'm like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. We then cut to a bunch of people at a TV control board, and uh, apparently the lingerie show is happening, which we never actually see on screen. No. We see the control board. We see backstage. Later, we see the stage, but we never see the show itself. Stage has a couch on it. Yes, which is weird for... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a different stage they end up on at the studio. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a... uh... I don't know how television works. Yeah, I just like to watch. (laughs) Then we cut backstage where one of the models is arguing about not wanting to wear the lingerie she's supposed to model. Uh, In response, she's yelled at by, uh, let's see, this is Beatrice Bowen, who plays Norma. All of these characters are named. That's good. That's more commitment than we usually get. Yeah, next week's episode, everybody's named too, but most of them aren't named on screen. But we'll get to that. There's a lot of characters. Sure are. Just as a teaser for everyone out there. There there are a lot of characters, you know, um, just in life. Everyone's kind of a a little character. Yes. He's quite a character. But uh, the model who's upset here storms off yelling, Bitch, I don't need the money! Meanwhile, a couple of ne'er-do-wells are looking through a peephole into the dressing room. Uh, two of our classic sound bites from the soundboard may be supplanted in this scene. Yeah, it's they're kind of like the knockoff versions of uh, these two classic lines. Yes. Wow, look at those tits. Yep. And, of course, the immortal... Drink a mile of piss to see her pussy. Yes, so <laughs> I'm glad that you picked out the same ones I did. So one was, oh my god, what tits, what an ass. And then the other one is uh, crazier. Uh, I'd walk through five miles of a minefield in snowshoes just to hear her fart over a fuel drum. Yeah, I guess if she farted over a fuel drum, it would just make a big crazy echo and he <laughs> would just come immediately. I guess so. Um they're like uh they're not as good no lines but still i think maybe we could clip them just to have for variety's sake yeah we'll uh we'll look into that what tits what an ass like sometimes you know yeah if i see both i can't this won't this this simply will not do wow look at those tits but what about the ass i guess that's a good point yeah just some variety you know I'm into it. I don't want to overwork the classics. I don't want to, like... Sometimes, like, you have, like, a button with, like, a touch screen. Like, the thing gets worn off eventually because you're always touching that one. I don't want that to happen to Harry Reams. (laughs) That would be, like, um, blasphemy, I think. I guess so, yeah. If you consider him, like, the one true teacher. Sure. Even having, like, an icon of him uh, in some sects is a little offensive. That's fair. 
Not in my sect. No, mine either, but I just thought it would be important to, to bring that up. We're war building. Yes. Yeah, when the raincoat teacher faith is uh, all across the world and, and perhaps galaxy like uh, like in Dune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the cum must flow. <laughs> Uh, so one of these guys bets the other guy that uh, they won't go into the dressing room. And so the guy takes him up on that bet and is wheeled in in a laundry cart and then uh, reaches out of the laundry cart and bites one of the girl's asses. Uh, a great bit of comedy. I really like that. Yes. His friend who is watching on through the peephole still is shocked by this. Yeah. And the girl who gets bit on the ass is the one who was bitching anyway. So you're like, ha. Yes. <laughs> she gets her comeuppance. Almost had a brown accident over here. <laughs> we cut back to the control board where Letitia's watching the show. Laura is also there when Michael approaches. He tells Laura he needs to speak to her after the show. Uh, Michael has really poor boundaries, I think. is The more we watch this film, the more you see it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was cute when he snuck up on her at the park, but maybe a little red flag. Yeah. Uh, even though they were supposed to meet there. But, you know, not too bad. Then he, uh, she tells him not to come, and he shows up at her house and just hangs out all night. Yeah, yeah. Not so great. Now showing up at work. Uh, and it's not like a place you can access publicly. It's a television station. Yeah. Uh, assuming there's probably someone at the front who doesn't let everyone in. Yeah, I don't know. There might be like a, a crowd there it could to be. watch the show. Yeah. Maybe he snuck in with the audience. Oh, yeah. Or but, maybe he had a friend like Tyler that just let him into the studio. Yeah. He certainly shouldn't be in the control room. No, for uh, sure not. And you know what? Maybe that's part of Raincoat Mindset is ignoring boundaries. <laughs> Because as we will see, this uh, this is a bold gambit, but uh, it just might work for him. Just might. So meanwhile, Philip, uh, Herschel Savage's character from the very beginning of the film, who we've not seen since, mm -hmm. uh, he calls Letitia on the phone at the station, apparently, and uh, tells her that he's been thinking about a conversation they had a few weeks ago about them getting together on a more permanent basis. And uh, he wants to talk to her about it. So she agrees to meet him in a couple of hours at Nick's, which I believe is a bar or something. Mm -hmm. uh, something similar, I think, I don't quite remember uh, from Sorority Sweethearts, but I do think something similar happens where part of the Herschel Savage plot line where mm -hmm. he's getting cucked just kind of ends off screen. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is fine. They're by the same director. I Do you think they were made at the same time? I don't know. Probably, maybe back-to-back -back weekends. Yeah, there's a lot of the same cast. But either way, they can only get Herschel for that one day. Yes. His fee was too high. So we cut to later, and Laura meets with Michael on the now-empty set. He tells her to go over there and sit down on the couch on the set there. Michael tells her that she spent months making fun of him, and she was out all night the other night, and he isn't going to take it anymore. Laura asks him to sit down next to her. She says she wants to tell him about the night that she stayed out, and then she decides not to. <laughs> Instead, she asks him to make love to her. 
She lets her hair down and opens her gown and they start to make out. We then see Michael totally naked on the couch with Laura in lingerie that he pulls aside to suck her breasts. Michael gets on the floor on his knees and starts to go down on Laura as she lays back on the couch. After a bit, she stops him and tells him, I want to do it to you now. Michael sits back on the couch as Laura sucks and strokes his cock. Michael rubs her back and reaches around her breasts as she continues to suck, stopping to softly whisper that she needed him to make love to her. Laura then mounts Michael in reverse cowgirl as he sits on the couch. After a bit of riding, Michael leans Laura onto her side on the couch and fucks her from behind Mm. as uh, he kisses the side of her face. After a bit of this, Michael fucks Laura doggy style on the couch for a while, really slamming it into her. Yeah, well, he's been, like, wanting this for a while, so he's really, it's time to drive it all home. Has he been wanting it for a while? I thought She's so. the one who's been wanting it for a while. Oh, yeah. I guess he's been, like, I mean, he's probably wanted it, but he was trying to be a gentleman, but uh, he didn't know that she was, like, a panty-sniffing, like, weirdo. Oh, yeah, I guess that's I true. You know, she that side of her hadn't been exposed or developed yet yeah i guess that's true yeah i don't know there's not enough deep characterization for any of these people to really understand their motives right but it's fine we're about at the end so we don't have to worry about it much longer yeah so we cut to laura sucking his cock again and then michael erupts into a big geyser of a wet shot that coats laura's face shoulder and arm and probably much of the floor it's gonna pop she continues to stroke his cock for a bit uh, it's a very lovely shot here when the cum gets on her shoulder, uh-huh. where it catches the light, mm-hmm. and you get that nice reflection. Beautiful. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's art, I will say. It's like in uh, Public Affairs. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the sweat the uh, sweat drop? Oh, yes, the sweat drop on the back that yeah, just the, glistened in the camera. Yeah, the sweat drop that glistened around the world. <laughs> That's how they got German distribution. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, um... You got there are moments of beauty everywhere, and uh, Paul Vitelli, he might be the man to draw them out. Yes, he is. So we then fade into the couple cuddling as they sit side by side on the couch. Laura says that was wonderful. Michael jokes, "I'm a pretty good lay." Then he suggests round two, and the theme song ballad kicks in as we get credits. And that was I Like to Watch. Okay. So, there's no, like, indication that they were, like, recorded or broadcasting that. No. No indication of that. Hmm. Makes me think. I mean, there's no proof that it didn't happen. Yeah. But this movie's built on proof. This movie is built on uh, seeing as believing. You know... The one thing that you could say is this is the one sex scene that nobody watched. Yeah. Unless millions of viewers were watching it at home. See, they. I think if that was happening, they would show us. Probably, yes. Uh, this movie, as I said, it's all about showing, not telling. I guess so. I didn't say that earlier, but uh, I said it a second ago. Yeah. I rephrased what I said. It's um, fine. Yeah. It all comes out in the watch. Yes. And that's speaking what, of the that's watch. That's what they say, right? Yes. 
And speaking of the watch, uh, we're going to ask our listeners to watch as we take another break, and then you can watch us come back and uh, give our final thoughts on I Like to Watch. Come on, come on. What an ass. Come on, here, here, let me see. Just a second, just a second. <sighs> I'd walk through five miles of a minefield in snowshoes just to hear her fart over a field zone. Let me see, huh? Come on, Fred. Christ. I like to consider myself the watcher. You know, I'll say this. Those... Who can do, those who can't watch. <laughs> yes. So, uh, in that case, uh, I'm the one with the can do, so it is once again time for... The Raincoat Review! <laughs> Let me interject one second here. Roses are red, violets are blue, people like me watch, but young girls do. Gross. <laughs> let me. I think. Uh, let me improve on your rhyme just slightly. Okay. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Uh, I like to watch what young girls do. Okay, that's that's better. You're yeah. right. You win. Yeah, it's worse in many ways. <laughs> They're coming to take me away. Uh, that was that was uh, just for clarity. That was a reference to a prior episode. And oh, the young heard girls it. in the episode were over the age of eighteen. They were little women. Yes, <laughs> but not like in Little Women. Were they children in that? I think they may have been children in Little Women. They should have called it little girls. I know there's a there's a lot of confusion by the use of the words girls and women. There's uh, we just don't respect uh, women enough. To not call them girls, even when they're old enough. You know? Yeah. Um, that's all I gotta say about that. You just gotta respect women. And you respect women by... Uh... The Raincoat <laughs> Review. <laughs> At least that's how I do it. Yes. Really enjoyed this film. I think it is a treat for the eyes. And the ears, even. I, uh... Really enjoyed a lot of the music throughout by Three Bells West. Yes, uh, I suppose is what uh, who gets all the credit here. It's a nice kind of uh, low key funky score that doesn't overpower the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. It uh, it fits in quite nicely with uh, the uh, sumptuous sex scenes that you're seeing on screen. And this film is uh, more or less all about the sex. Yeah, but uh, it's shot very well and uh, uh acted nicely the uh sex i think is pretty great throughout yeah uh, there, there's no bad scenes uh, i would say little oral annie kind of steals the show yeah she gets a bit wild with it uh nice to have lisa deleo back again yeah always good to see her she gets a uh a meteor role than i was expecting not a whole lot but uh more narratively than sexually. Yeah. And uh, 
Yes, definitely more narratively than sexually. I feel like in sorority sweethearts, there's not very much of her mm-hmm. at all. I think there's, like, you see her once at the beginning and then, like, a, once again at the end. Uh, a better use of her. It's great use of uh, shadows and uh, light, I think, as we've talked about before um, throughout the show. A lot of nice camera tricks. Yeah. Good uh, fade outs and stuff to things uh, to show uh, sex scenes like progressing in a kind of uh, time lapse sort of way that isn't silly like fast motion. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As we've seen recently. And yeah, I would say if this film has any weakness, it's probably in the narrative. But at the same time, when a film looks as good, uh, it's hard to care as much. And as far as the narrative is concerned, there are uh, a few storylines that get juggled and uh, do end up resolving in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, you've got the main arc of Bridget Monet's character, Laura, who uh, learns very much that she does like to watch and to be watched. Yes. Uh, and uh, the, the film does, I think, a good job of exploring kind of voyeurism and different aspects uh, from being like a little peeping Tom, being like a weird Jeffrey Epstein camera guy, <laughs> or just, you know, like even just being in the room, chilling out, or perhaps watched by mannequins. Or perhaps watched by millions of people at home. Uh, I still don't think so. Uh, probably not, but I like to have my own canon of what happens. Yeah, that's fair. Cause I end up thinking that scene... Uh, as I kind of hinted in the last segment, ends up being a bit of an anticlimax. Sure. In some ways, uh, if they had like hit some button and suddenly they were on TVs everywhere. That would have been perfect. It's so, like such a good idea. I'm kind of disappointed it didn't Right, happen. yeah. That's sort of, because I was watching the scene and I was like, I didn't see anything like the camera light on or anything like that that would indicate that. And for the most part, he's been, Fatelli's been pretty like insistent about showing people watching. Right. Uh, so I just think that was kind of a missed opportunity. Uh, I think this is one that's uh, perhaps due for a remake. Yeah, we'll we'll need to do it. We'll cross yeah. the picket lines. And... We'll cross the picket lines at uh, like Wicked or Vivid or somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we'll remake I Like to Watch. Porn actors don't get to be in SAG, do they? Mm, most... Maybe none of them, probably not most of them. No, like, uh, what's her name? Was in, uh, I feel like I... Tracy Lords might be in SAG, because she was in some John Waters stuff. Right. Yeah, I think that I recall, like, listening to the Rialto report, mm-hmm. there being a couple people who, like, made mainstream movies and bragged about getting their SAG card or whatever. So... But I would say that odds are uh, none of the current active porn stars, or at least not most of them, most of them are not in the Screen Actors Guild. That's true. But they could be on strike in in, uh, solidarity to their guild friends. No new porno. What a shame. I'm glad we have all this old porno to watch. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, yeah, this is one uh, I really enjoyed it generally. It's a little short at uh, an hour and 17 Right. I, I don't think another 10, 15 minutes of uh, character development really would have hurt it too much. Sure. I think it would have balanced it a little bit better. 
but all that is to say, I, I did find it a uh, a very enjoyable uh, smut fest. Yeah. Very nice to look at. Very nice to hear. Great stacked cast, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, good score. I would give it a solid four. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't quite rise to the level of a stiff competition storytelling wise. Right. But it's also not like kind of like a blank slate like sorority sweethearts. Sure. Uh, it hits a nice sweet spot for me in terms of uh, narrative to sex, even if the narrative isn't that deep. Right. There's enough there for you to follow and chew on and uh, everything in between, the perhaps the meat of the film that people come to see. Yeah. Uh, well worth the watch. Uh, definitely Little Oral Annie, as I said, stands out. Uh, Lisa DeLeo's great. Uh, you really get to see Kevin James... Uh, Look directly at you as he pounds away. Uh, <laughs> During anal sex, nonetheless. Yes, yeah, upside down. He yes. is like a monster. <laughs> um, and for that, four stars. All right. Uh, I think that I Like to Watch is a pretty damn good movie. Um, I recall watching this shortly after we covered Sorority Sweethearts because uh, Vinegar Syndrome put these two out mm-hmm. as a double feature together. Um, and I, I do recall liking this more than Sorority Sweethearts when mm-hmm. I watched it. I will say that, yeah, again, narratively speaking, it's not super deep, and there are some uh, un, uh, unclosed loopholes and loose threads, but yeah. like at the end of the day, it's still an enjoyable film, but I would say that the number one thing about this film, and it is tied into the cinematography, the music, Mm -hmm. and the storytelling, is that it's pretty damn erotic. Mm -hmm. And that's something that porn films can uh, miss out on on a lot of cases. Yeah. And, you know, as uh, perverts like we are, sometimes that's okay for it to be not necessarily erotic, but just filthy. Yeah. But uh, I think this does a good job of being erotic, and yeah, definitely. Uh, that's the benefit of it. And, and again, that's while that's a multiple while still having an ass to mouth scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and that's a multi part thing. Um, I think the narrative thing that really uh, raises it to the next level is the weird relationship between Laura and Linda that we explore earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, exchange of eye contact and stuff when uh, Linda's getting redressed. And Laura, as soon as Linda leaves the area, scampering to grab her panties and then later uh, smelling and licking him Mm -hmm. and all of that. It's it's interesting because it's kind of a... It's a insight into the perverted side of of Laura. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's... It's very erotic while being filthy. Yeah, no, definitely. It uh, it strikes a nice balance. And the soundtrack absolutely helps. And I think that there's something about the film that engages me intellectually just from the focus on voyeurism. Um, as the people who have founded you know, almost three years worth of podcasts on uh, watching people have sex. It'll be our fourth uh, Five Weeks of Fright this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we're right at about the three-year mark yeah, right now. Yeah, I think I think we were started, 
I think we always go over this, but I think we started recording sometime in June and dropped them in July. That sounds about right. Something yeah. like that. The June-July era. Yeah. That's, uh, and here we are. And here we are. But, like, because of that, you know, we're the voyeurs. And so the film is acknowledging us as the voyeurs. Yeah, and there's and, even the one scene where it's got me in it. Yes. Uh, it's like a mirror. Yeah. I got scared a little bit. <laughs> I was Looking like, oh, around, the, is there a camera in here? Uh, there were so many in this film, and I was like, oh, man, they got a, a camera. It's on me now. Um, like, I shut my laptop, and that made it harder to take notes. <laughs> but... You know, there's there's all of this uh, pretty filthy sex in here as well. You know, again, little Oral Annie is uh, quite nasty in here in the best sort of way. The new sloppy style is mm-hmm. uh, starting to seep into the 80s as we see here. It's coming into focus. Yes. Um, overall, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I like it a lot. It's a it's a good movie. I would say that narratively it's not very dense, but it is functional and like I said there there are a lot of things that I like about the narrative that help make it an erotic film. Mm-hmm. And again, we cover a lot of porn and there's a lot of the stuff that we cover that just completely fails at being erotic even oh, yeah. if it's stuff we like. Yeah, no, and, definitely. And uh, this eroticism's almost like a bonus at yeah. certain points. Yeah. But like you know, the, the like you said, kind of the final sex scene in the film, it's not quite the biggest payoff that you could get. But yeah. I will say, a film that I liked as much, maybe a little bit more in some other ways, uh, Trashy Lady. Mm-hmm. If you remember, that film ends with not the sex scene that you expected to get in yeah. the end at all. Yeah. And this one at least wraps things up it ends with the sex scene you expect but it doesn't hit the beat you would expect it to narratively to kind of tie it all together um which is a bit disappointing like i said but if they had hit that i probably would have given them a little bit more but uh this is one that definitely kept my attention the whole time Uh, a nice compact running time if you happen to have that double feature with sorority sweethearts and this and you haven't checked it out yet i would uh put this one on first yeah or just just run a double feature yeah right well yeah but if you're running a double feature you know start with this one okay that's fair yeah unless you like to finish strong it it depends on on the kind of vibe you're trying to get out of your double feature i guess i suppose so i mean sorority sweethearts isn't terrible or anything no it's just not as good yeah it's just a bit uh it's a bit uh plain and vanilla and and a bit unremarkable compared to this one i will say that sorority sweethearts was also well made visually Mm -hmm. I, i don't think it's quite at the level of this one visually but still it's 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 well made visually. There are some decent sex scenes in yeah. it. It's got a nice cast, but the narrative is like almost not there at all. Yeah, it's just like one friend trying to help another friend get laid, and that's I think the extent of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's not a bad double feature to get if you're uh, looking at the next Vinegar Syndrome sale and trying to figure out what to get. Not a bad choice. And uh, I wanted to. Sometimes I'll. I'll say things i'm gonna be like oh i'll bring this up later and i completely forget Mm -hmm. uh visually this movie with like its old house and the the kind of shadows Mm -hmm. reminded me a bit of uh honestly of like black christmas 
Okay. It's got a, a lot of the like some of the way it's shot with the kind of there's a bit of a gothic vibe to it just because sure. like the it's a lot of darkness, a lot of like old like wood furniture and stuff like that, and a lot of ominous music in a lot of scenes. Let me let me add to that. Yeah. Perhaps it's a bit like the Changeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What if there should be a porno where like not a wheelchair, but like a Sibian like starts like moving around like on its own and it scares uh G- George C. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a vibrator rolls yeah. down the steps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, what uh, if that would be a very different film. Yes. Uh but no, this film does have some of the vibe of like a 70s horror film just in the way it's shot which uh doesn't really come through in any other way but uh it's just an interesting thing to note uh that's all i'd like to say this is a a film i think well worth your time well if you're an old composer whose wife and daughter are killed in a car accident and you go to live in a vacant mansion yeah don't forget your raincoat yeah (laughs) If you're gonna move into that old, uh, if you're gonna move into that old Hustlers of Hollywood superstore, <laughs> don't forget your raincoat. <laughs> Set your heart.